This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tuesday, February 9th, wherever and however you're connected, always great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with a guy who, quite frankly, can unleash the BYU Twitter mob with one simple click of his mouse pad, Jerem Jordan. I think you're confusing me with Johnny Linehan. Uh, the Kennel Club... Uh, which is a, uh, you know, is that the the Rock equivalent or is that just a fan site? Yes. It's, okay, it's, so the Rock at Gonzaga, if you will, mm-hmm. the student uh, section, uh, tweeted out something like, hey, who has the better mascot, Spike? That's the name of the Gonzaga mascot. Or Cosmo. Now, here's the thing. Uh, BYU fans and, and other people associated with BYU still mad about some stuff that happened in the 1800s, so there's no actual mobs because that's not okay, um, and that happened to these people. It's Twitter mobs. And the Twitter mob comes in the form of polls. And as we've seen, BYU has won a national championship in a poll. Gonzaga has yet to win a national championship in actual basketball. Perhaps this year is the year. But I kid, uh, BYU dominating this poll. What is it now, like 75-25 or something? If you'd like to team up with the Twitter <laughs> mob, poll. you can join now. We have just retweeted that link. 77 to uh, 23. So, yeah, we may not have won in the game last night, but gosh dang it, we're going to win on Twitter. Don't challenge BYU Twitter mobs, and especially ones involving Cosmo. You've made a terrible mistake, Gonzaga. Don't do it. You learned your lesson, hopefully, this time around. Don't do it again. This is the equivalent of the BYU Rock, by the way, tagging Gonzaga's kennel student section and asking, which school has the most program prestige in basketball, Gonzaga or BYU? Then the Gonzaga mob would gather and laugh in the face of BYU because they'd say, uh, final There's four. no Gonzaga mob. Okay, They're fine. so small. <laughs> but Gonzaga, listen, Gonzaga's legit at basketball, obviously. Like, I'm a Gonzaga fan outside of when BYU plays. I, I love them. Here's your Tuesday show lineup, and it does feature a wealth of Gonzaga. How would you feel about a West Coast Conference tournament in Spokane featuring mm. only the top teams? It's definitely on the table now. BYU head coach Mark Pope looking for some more quality games leading up to wherever the WCC tournament is held. And where did the Cougars send bracketology following last night's loss to the Zags? Plus, more combine invitations for BYU football. New linebackers coach Kevin Kloon makes his show debut. A way too early BYU football ranking and top five Tuesday with a Super Bowl twist. How is that for a show? Bring on today's BYUSN headlines. BYU loses to number one Gonzaga, 82-71 last night. BYU was covering and then decided to foul a couple times inside of a minute. Alex Barcelo led Brigham Young with 20 points, five assists, four rebounds. Brandon Averett had 14 points, six assists. BYU trailed 15-2, 3-10 into the game. Here's Mark Pope on the length of the game. There were moments where I was really surprised that I was just like, this is not how we function. But I, I felt like for 30 minutes of the game, we we at least um, were recognizable to ourselves. And, um, you know, the game's 40 minutes. So we need to do that better. Yeah, same issue in Spokane. BYU, tough start. Was down, what, 24-2 or something in Spokane? Yeah. You, you minimize that start. You're not gonna, I'm not saying you're going to lead, per se, but just minimize that start. Maybe it's a game of Yeah, or don't turn the ball over 19 times. Yeah, that didn't go well. BYU, by the way, doesn't have a game for more than a week now scheduled. Yeah. 
Yeah, at Pacific next Thursday, which there was there was a possibility that maybe BYU could play at Pacific this Thursday, but then Pacific's playing Portland, so g- good job. <laughs> Why would you play that I don't game know. instead? Okay. I don't know. Bring on the way-too-early college football rankings in the form of Bill Connolly's SP Plus ratings for all 130 Division I teams. BYU football in at number 52, 52nd overall. The BYU offense rated 24th best, but the defense enters at number 90. 90? Understandably, there will be an expected drop-off for the Cougars when BYU loses six different guys that have been invited to the NFL Combine. Six. Program record is seven. By the way, officially yesterday came out that Zach Wilson and Brady Christensen have been invited. So they join the likes of Dax Milne, Matt Bushman, Kyrus Tonga, and Chris Wilcox. Six Cougars all receiving the coveted invitation. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Men's volleyball stays number one in the ABCA poll with first place uh, votes split between the Cougars and Hawaii. 8-8. Senior Gabby Garcia-Fernandez is the MPSF Offensive Player of the Week. He had 800 on Saturday. That's career high. Thursday, he had 16 kills, both matches versus UCLA. And women's volleyball there in season. Hale up two spots to number 12 in the ABCA poll. Play Gonzaga tonight. Mm -hmm. Trying to get some revenge for basketball. 8 Eastern on the BYU TV app. BYU's 21-1 all-time versus the Zags. If only that was the series record in hoops. Take that, Spike. It's game day for multiple BYU teams. We told you about women's basketball, or sorry, women's volleyball. Women's basketball at Pepperdine tonight. 8 Eastern in a game that was originally postponed by COVID protocols. The ladies opening up a second consecutive week where they will have three games. You can watch the first game this week streaming on the WCC Network. And the number 27 BYU men's golf team currently in third place going into the final round of the Nick Watney Invitational. Good luck to the guys. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Commissioner Few makes his case on SportsCenter. Long we have joked on this show that Gonzaga head coach Mark Few might just be the acting commissioner of the West Coast Conference. Not a joke to me. Based on the power he wields with the WCC's biggest moneymaker in his hands, he made the following proposal last night on SportsCenter with Scott Van Pelt about the idea for the West Coast Conference Tournament not in Vegas. Quote, I think there is probably a way to do it, and it probably isn't gathering maybe all 10 teams together down in Vegas. I think, you know, whether it's taking the top three up to Spokane and playing it off up there after they play it off earlier or something along those lines. Everybody is putting some good thought into it, and I think we'll come to a good conclusion when it's time. End quote. Everybody being Gonzaga in the league? And define that. (laughs) Look into that how you you want to. think LMU's opinion matters in this? Does this new idea from Gonzaga head basketball coach Mark Few makes sense for a revised West Coast Conference tournament. Yeah, I think so. Relocating is not crazy. Uh, five minutes ago, the Big Ten announced they're going to move from Chicago to Indianapolis. So they are going to gather in the same spot as the NCAA tournament and sort of, I guess, test the waters there. I think this is probably a good idea. He's not saying we're not going to have a full tournament because he said maybe they'd play it off earlier, meaning maybe the other six get to the semis and then you start from there. I'd be okay with this. Listen, prior to the tourney going to Vegas, it's been, what, 11, 12 years? Then, um, or, or maybe a little beyond that, they played at the number one seed location, and, and sometimes they would actually determine that spot. That's why Gonzaga hasn't won this every year forever, because San Diego, in like 08, hosted, and they won it on their, in, in the Slim Gym. So 
I'd, I'm fine with this. Gonzaga should be able to wield this power. If BYU was in this situation, we would feel the same way. We would say, why don't we just host the semis and the final here at the Marriott Center? They would still contractually fulfill their obligation to ESPN for that tournament and the sponsors. Yes, mm-hmm. there's not going to be any fans, but I'd be fine with a semifinal uh, finals in Spokane. I'm fine with this idea. I think it's fine. And Mark Pope or Mark Few should wield this power. They aren't just the best team in the league. They're the best team in the country. They have the power to do this. Play the early games at home sites sure. if you want to, or designate the sites of like I don't know the three and the four seeds because there is a built-in weekend day right before the semifinals based on how the conference tournament is set up. BYU and Gonzaga right now, if the tournament were going originally as planned, wouldn't play until Monday after the weekend. So why not have a number of teams gather in one location, play those games out, and then the two winners from that game then go to Spokane and join Gonzaga and BYU? Yeah, and there's a game before that, right? There's, there'd be two sets, 7, 10, 8, 9, and then 5 and 6 come in. And then the semifinals are there. Right, yeah. So I guess I would, yeah. I'd be saying, uh, well, yeah, I don't know how they're going to do it. Just play the early site games I don't at really care. a couple like, of isolated locations. I don't care how it goes down. Just make sure your best teams are protected until they absolutely have to play. Now, when we say protected, traditionally that's been protected from extra games, extra losses. What we're, when we say protection this time, it's from COVID exposure. That's what we're talking about. And that's why Mark Few is saying, just gather us in Spokane and let's play there because then they can isolate and quarantine as much as possible so that guess what? Who cares about the WCC tournament for Gonzaga? It's about winning the national championship for them. So I, I get this. This makes sense. I'd be on board for this if this is what happens. Obviously, BYU TV, we have a big uh, involvement in the West Coast Conference tournament and we have for you know 11 years now. Uh, we do all the games that ESPN doesn't, essentially. Uh, mostly on the women's side, we do eight games, and on the men's side, we've tr- traditionally done about four. So let's see where that takes us with that. And it's a unique setup with the tournament, too. We're not sending everybody that we typically do to Vegas. There might be a Provo element to this mm-hmm. just because of COVID. It, it's all unique and different. So I'd be okay with this. I, I think it's a good idea. It's not set in stone. I do have this question. What, are you going to figure that out soon? Because it's less than a month away. They have to. Let's go. Like, when is this going to be announced? When is this going to be figured out? This is tough for the actual commissioner, Gloria Navarez, and her team because every coach and every athletic director are obviously not going to be on the same page and have the same opinion, and not everyone's going to be like, yeah, let's go to Spokane and do this. That doesn't matter when Gonzaga's in the league. Gonzaga wields the power. A couple years ago, Gonzaga said, hey, kind of might go to the Mountain West. We're flirting over here. And they got what they wanted, which was a – 16-game WCC schedule, not an 18, and they wanted more of the shares from the units in the NCAA tournament. They got what they wanted. They, they wield a lot of power here. They have the leverage, clearly. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Clearly in this conversation. Yeah. BYU does not have hardly any leverage in this. BYU got, uh, you know, CBS Sports Network came in and has done some home games from the league's perspective, and BYU pushed back a little, fewer games, fewer there. Like, we do fewer games now, like BYU, uh, BYU TV, meaning. But... We're good partners, uh, good players in the game. It's all good. But if Gonzaga wants to say, hey, we want to host it up here and just do the semifinals, I don't know if that means women's too. Yeah, that's like, the thing. How is it going to impact the women's tournament? It, it, you don't always have the same location for the women's tournament. That's not a thing you have to do. The Pac-12 has done Key Arena in Seattle 
before for the women's tournament and separated it. So it's not it wouldn't be uh, crazy to separate them. Okay, so maybe that happens in Vegas. It's still a placeholder, the Orleans Arena for the women's tournament Perhaps. or the early round games for the men and the women happen in Las Vegas. And then there's a weekend, a built-in travel day, and you can go to Spokane and the top four can play in Spokane on the men's and women's side because Gonzaga's number one in both sides. And as we talked about this morning, it's not a totally unique situation to the West Coast Conference to have the best team in the conference hosting a tournament. Yeah, nowadays it is, but it used to not be that way. Like, Pac-12 didn't have a tournament until just a couple years ago. I mean, Ivy League didn't either, but Ivy's certainly unique in that way. Okay, topic two, let's uh, update the resume. Now, the good thing about the the loss last night was BYU went up four in Ken Palm, so defensive efficiency and offensive better. Plus four, up to 33. Remember when BYU was in the 50s? That's good. The bad news, BYU went down and everything else. Minus three in net. Now, I was surprised by this, uh, that it went minus three. I thought it would at least hold or go up a couple like we talked about. I was hoping for like four or five. And BPI minus two. KPI minus six. I don't understand KPI. Strength of record minus two. Sagarin minus three. The good news, though, is BYU is as high as 23, as low as 33. There's sort of this... This regression in the mean within 10 for all of yeah. these now. Right Sorry, at 28 11. or 29. Yeah. Is KPI 22 or 23? 22? Okay. Um, yeah, 11. So it, it, it's there. Joe Lenardi says BYU's an 8 today. An 8 seed. So yeah, he has them as from, a 9 seed. Well, it in, depends where you look. Do you look on brackets. Twitter or do you look on his actual bracket? Yeah, but his S-curve is the one you it's look for at. The, for the purposes of scheduling, because BYU has to play on a Saturday or a Monday, they probably drop down to a nine seed just yeah. because they have Why don't we to. just play on a Sunday? Then we'll be an eight. <laughs> Anyone thought doesn't about matter, this? though. An eight or a nine, doesn't matter. <laughs> it does not matter in that game, right? Would we be in the Big 12 if we played on Sunday? <laughs> Team rankings gives BYU the highest percentage chance of being a seven seed right now. 16%, 15.5% as an eight seed. Bracket matrix, the Cougars in 94 of 95 brackets. What's happening with the one bracket? I still want to know what's going on. Yeah, there. I don't care. What, is, what does BYU need to do? And we said it yesterday. BYU could lose by 20, lose by 15, lose by 10, and it wouldn't really impact their status in the bracket. If they played really well, then maybe they jump up a line. Uh, they jump up in the KPI, not much else, but... I mean, well, they went down six in KPI. Oh, sorry. Uh, they jump up, up in, in Ken, Ken Palm. Palm. Yeah, Correct. Yeah, they yeah. jump up in Ken Palm. It was great. Okay. Everything else they fall in. I was really bothered, by the way, that BYU didn't hold on to its single digit. My, you remember yesterday, I was like, dude, singles would be amazing. Yeah. Only one of the team has done yes. this. And then BYU decided to foul twice under 50 seconds to go, but didn't shoot any threes. So I was like, what, what happened there? It was kind of weird. The conversation I was having with my older brother, Trevor, as he's hashing out all of his emotions watching BYU play Gonzaga again last night, was, and I thought a point he brought up was very apt. He said, Jalen Suggs takes Gonzaga from a SWAT team, high-functioning, they go in, they take care of business, they catch the bad guys, and get out of there, to a Navy SEAL team. <laughs> one, one player. Okay. Like, it just, it just, they've just been elevated to this, Elite status. Yeah. It's, well, they have a lottery pick. They have a top 10 guy. Yes. Like, out of high school. They've never had that. Difference maker in one year. The one and done for Gonzaga might just win them a national championship. And so, yeah, they wield the power now more so than ever before about 
what's going to happen with COVID and where the tournament is going to be played. I just want some form of tournament to be played. I don't care where it is. Yeah, I'll, I'll be surprised if they don't try and do something. Yeah. Uh, but the idea of gathering all 10 teams in one spot becomes increasingly weird. Well, and me. let's be honest, some teams are probably going to drop out before that, even regardless of where the tournament it is. It feels like they've dropped out already. Yeah, we're going to shut it down. You guys go do your thing. Is BYU the only team in the league not to have an issue this year? I, I can't remember. Knock on wood. Is it everybody? Has everyone had an issue? Yeah, hopefully BYU continues to uh, have the health it has had, which is great. Our question of the day. What are your thoughts on Mark Few's idea of a three-team West Coast Conference tournament in Spokane? And there was some question about, does he mean the three other best teams joining Gonzaga in Spokane? No, no, no. I think he means four teams. Right. right? I think that's what he means, too. But Because there was this clarification on Twitter. He said three teams, but I think he means three teams besides Gonzaga. Oh, I think that's pretty fair. So, four-team tournament in Spokane. How do you have a three? Okay, we shall be in the championship game. (laughs) Who's going to play three? And someone else come play play us on our home court. Granted, if they wanted to do that, they probably could pull that off this year. Well, that's no, that's silly. It's going to be a semifinal. (laughs) Let's hear from you, BYU Sports Nation and Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. Andrew Flint answers on Twitter. I think a four or six team tournament in Spokane or just wherever is a good idea. With six teams, the top two can still get a bye. Yeah, that's how the quarters function in the league. Lowers the risk of a bad loss and COVID spread from team to team. If we're going to reward a team with the location... It should be Spokane. No question. At CL underscore living. So the WCC tournament really is the Gonzaga Invitational. Indeed. Indeed. And it will be no matter where it's played. Is it more of a home court advantage in Spokane or in Las Vegas? Well, without fans, probably Spokane. (laughs) But with fans. Maybe Las Vegas. Spring break Gonzaga version. That's what it is, man. Coming up, fact or fiction with what an anonymous West Coast Conference coach says about Cougar Hoops. And BYU football linebackers coach Kevin Kloon makes his show debut. Why? He should take major credit for what BYU football did against teams from the American Athletic Conference. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tonight at 8.30 Eastern on the BYU TV app, watch BYU basketball with Mark Pope, who's the coach, and Greg Rubel recap last night's Gonzaga game chat with Connor Harding. There's a brand new Deep Blue about Gideon George and his amazing journey from Nigeria to Provo. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. It is our pleasure now to introduce all of you, BYU Sports Nation, to one of the new guys on the BYU football staff. Kind of, because he's already been around. BYU linebackers coach Kevin Kloon with us. Coach, welcome to BYU Sports Nation officially. Well, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, can't wait to get started in spring ball. Now, I know that you've already been working with the BYU staff, but now it's in an official capacity for the entire public to know. So naturally, we want to know all of the most interesting things about you. So let's put you right on the spot. What do BYU fans not know about you that they should? You know, I don't know. I mean, it's I've been around Utah. I worked at, uh, you know, I was a GA at University of Utah. I was at Southern Utah. I was at Weber State. I was at Utah State. And I don't know if, is there another person that's worked at all five schools? You know, that, that's, I'm not sure. Maybe Steve Clark. Yeah. yeah I worked with Steve at Utah, but I think he's only got uh, three, uh, four maybe of, of the, of the five. 
Yeah, five's and pretty good. And I get involved, so I got to get, I got to maybe retire down there or something. <laughs> it's a nice place, right? Um, tell us yeah. about what you did this last season because we talked about it a little bit in December and then in January, January fifth. I said hire Kevin Clune. It's a natural choice, so I'm glad they hired you. But walk us through kind of your involvement with BYU last year. Well, um, you know, it really kind of came on in the in the end when you know they they inked uh, the Navy and the Army games, and I really really wanted to be involved to help, you know, whatever, in any capacity that I could, I was at Memphis and we played um, Navy the previous two years. And, uh, and I thought played them pretty tough. Um, so I wanted to help, you know, whatever I could. I, like, I have all this film, I have all these, you know, this, this defense and that should be good. And, and um, it kind of just grew from there. I, I just wanted to come down and help out any way I could. And, and I've known, you know, Kalani for 20 years and Aaron Roderick for 20 years. And, and just, uh, it was just kind of natural fit. So should we officially give you those uh, three wins then on your resume yeah. against the American Athletic yeah. Conference specifically? Yeah, it's all me. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, couldn't yeah, couldn't say enough about the kids, especially the starting with the Navy game, how they came out and just played hard. I mean, obviously, everyone knows that that's a tough, tough um, team, and the kids came up and just controlled the line of scrimmage and did everything that that was asked of them. So, you know, I couldn't be more proud of being a part of that. Kevin Kloon with us on BYU Sports Nation, new BYU linebackers coach. Let's rewind to your first interaction with anybody on the current BYU football staff. Where did those relationships initially begin? Um, you know, I met um, Aaron probably, I want to say 2001, you know, briefly. And then um, Kalani, Aaron, and I all worked together down in Southern Utah. And, you know, it's a great place to start because there's not a whole lot of, uh, you know, a whole lot of uh you know people watching everything so you can make mistakes kind of down there and and all that and um you know we had a we had a good kid a good team and we i thought we kind of built that team we were only there for about two years and you know we had a we had a good squad of utah kids that you know a lot of snow college players a lot of local kids and um you know it, it kind of all blossomed from there You've got a history of playing against BYU uh, when you were at Utah State, obviously 0-9-13, highlighted by that 2012 team, which was incredible. And, of course, BYU and Utah played this 6-3 of a dud game, but uh, it was an interesting one in 2012, a great year for the Aggies. And then, obviously, you end up at Oregon State taking over as the D.C. for Kalani Satake once he left, not to mention your Southern Utah tie. So it feels like you've been hanging out and or with and or following Kalani a little bit over the years. Yeah, the, uh, it's, it's, you know, we've become just good friends and, and, uh, you know, it, it, we just talk ball, you know, he's, he's, we all come from that, 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 um, you know, that Kyle Whittingham style of defense. And so when we can talk ball, it's like, we're not talking the same language a lot of times. Um, and there's been, you know, I've, we've both evolved into a lot of different ways and, and, uh, but it's just good to be back with good people, good coaches and, and good kids. Kevin Clune, new linebackers coach for BYU football with us on BYU Sports Nation. If you were to pull players from any team that you've coached with, how would they explain your personality as a coach? Oh, man, that's – I don't know. That's hard to explain. But, uh, you know, there's, a, there's an initial level of gruffness that maybe um, – <laughs> that maybe you uh, – you know, that you get right away and it's like, Oh, wow. You know, it's maybe seems as a little standoffish, but after you kind of get to the hard work of things, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. I, I think I'm an easy guy to work to, to play for. So. 
Tell us about your linebacking group. Obviously, a group that has some talent and talent returning. We're a couple weeks away from spring ball. So what do you feel like you have there, and what do you feel like you need to develop even further? Well, it, it was you know really good. I got to meet these guys um, and was just – you know, really impressed with how they just come out to work every day. And they're, they're very even keeled kids. Um, you know, it's, it's, they got talent, they got size, they got speed. And, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very, you know, pleased to be, be involved with this group. Um, you know, starting off with Peyton Wilgar, um, excuse me, very, uh, very versatile player. He can play the outside positions and the inside positions. And maybe even we put him up at a, like a DN position. Um, he can do it all. And, and he's always the guy that we're thinking when we, put in a new defense. Well, Peyton would be perfect for this. Well, you know, but we got to move around the other pieces of the board. Um, and so he's got a tremendous future, still, still young players. I mean, I don't know if I have a guy on the uh, linebacker on the roster that's older than a junior. I'm not sure. Um, then you got Keenan, uh, you know, Keenan Peely, who, you know, is local, local kid, uh, came from the safety position in high school, but has really developed into a linebacker and a hitter and, you know, a guy that you don't want to take on, you know, head up. And, uh, you know, he's a quiet leader and, and, again, a solid, tremendous player. And then you've got, you know, guys like Max Tooley. You're quick and, uh, again, very versatile, and, and we're expecting a lot of things from him. And then you've got Drew Jensen and Jackson Kafusi coming back. And then, you know, I'm, I'm very just pleased with this group. There's, there's a lot of hard work there. There's a lot of production there. And I think that they can even go to the next level. When you compare what BYU football did in 2020, 11-1, incredible run. Of course, we mentioned the three wins against American athletic teams. And you compare it to what the schedule brings up in 2021 with seven power fives. What goes through your mind? Well, the, the, just one at a time, the, 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 the power fives, you know, they're great and all, but they're all, they're all winnable games. You just got to take it all one, one game at a time. Um, you know, we've got some, some experience with the Pac-12 teams, um, you know, got some experience with, with uh, South Florida that we play later on. I, I'm drawing a blank. And then, the you know, obviously the Mountain West teams. Um, but each one, one at a time. It's a very, very good schedule, very, you know, uh, lofty schedule. But uh, you take them all one at a time, and I think that, that um, you know, they can be handled. Certainly we're hoping that uh, things return to normal for life and football and whatnot. But it'd be fun to have fans at uh, Allegiant Stadium in Vegas for that opener, wouldn't it? Yeah, and that, that'll be great. Um, it was very strange. You know, I coached junior college back in California like 25 years ago, and you could literally, like, count how many people were in the stands at some, <laughs> some game. <laughs> and so it brought me back, brought me back to that. Uh, but it didn't matter. The kids brought energy. You know, Kalani was, was bringing energy on the sideline. Um, and it's a shame that, that these guys didn't get to showcase what they do, you know, in front of 60,000 people or whatever. But in the end, um, you know, it, 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 they just came out to play. And so, you know, that was good, but it was definitely the first game at Navy, you know, it was like, it was like a, it started, it just felt weird when you took the field and it was just kind of scrimmage. Like it was, it was very strange, but uh, you know, the kids performed, they did a great job. I'm thinking specifically about Billy Nixon, who started a dance dance revolution along with uh, Jason Gafusi, uh, as well as Kalani Satake. Um, what, what are, uh, Jason Ayo, I should say, sorry, let me correct myself. How are your dancing skills when you look oh, at those horrible. guys? 
<laughs> yeah, horrible. I, I, I was called into some, you know, part of that. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to, that's just, you know, keep my dignity over on the side. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, maybe I got to, maybe, maybe for some giant game, maybe I'll jump in, but yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Who are some of your primary influences, uh, you know, growing up as a young coach and now as a more experienced coach, who, who do you draw upon for uh, influences upon the way you coach the game? Um, that's, there's a lot. And a lot of guys you, no one's ever heard of. You know, um, you know, I coached at a high school, Dos Pueblos in Goleta, California. And uh, two coaches there, Coach Hasselmeyer and, and um, Coach Scott O'Leary, were tremendous. Uh, my old high school coach, Norm Costa, great guy. Junior college coach that I played for and worked for was Gene Murphy. Um, he was at Cal state Fullerton for a hundred years. I mean, these are all people that you've probably never heard of, but it, it does my, I can go all the way back to my little league coach was Jim Bernadashi, uh, who was a tremendous man. And you, you learn a lot of things about football and you learn a lot of things about, um, you know, how to hit somebody or tackle or block or whatever it is, but just their example of hardworking men that find a way to give back to society by coaching football. And, you know, I, I've coached for free, uh, I just love football and I love working with kids. My, my dream back in the day was I was going to have a regular job. I studied computer science. I was going to have a regular job and then go help the local high school wherever I lived. Cause that's just the way to give back because that's, you know, I go all the way back, man. I'm thinking about a lot of names here. Frank Link was a little league baseball coach that I had 30, 40 years ago. Um, and they're all tremendous men that found a way to give back to young people. And, um, and, uh, but to go, <laughs> to get back to your original question, I mean, those are the guys that I think of, of why I coach and why I work with young people. And it's, it's just, you know, a, a good deal. Now, when you talk about football, um, you know, learned a lot from Kyle Winningham when I was a GA up at Utah. Um, you know, just, I worked with coach Norm Chow and learned a lot about, you know, football from him. It was, it's, it's just a, every single person you take something from, but I can't go, I can't say enough about those those guys nobody's ever heard of that just find a way to give back to young people. Coach, what are you hoping to learn from your team by the end of spring football in 2021? Uh, well, you know, it's not, I'm not going to have any hand in this, but the, the, the quarterback challenge that we're going to have is going to be uh, exciting to watch. I think you've got three players or so, I mean, maybe there's more, but yeah, there's three guys that I know of that, you know, are going to be exciting to watch. Um, but personally on the defense, it's just coming together. We do lose, you know, some leadership on this team, you know, we lose our quarterback, you know, we lose, uh, you know, Kairos Tonga, who's just tough. We lose, um, you know, Isaiah Kafusi, who always kind of knew the right thing to say and, um, and Warner and, all, and it, we lose some guys, but you know, who's going to step up and, and kind of be the new leader. Um, how's this team going to come together? You know, all those things is just, just the natural evolution of every single team every year. Um, you know, personally for the linebackers, just how each individual player is going to take the next step and what are they going to do in this month of March to improve their game and, and how they play, you know, whether it's tackling or defeating a block or, or whatever. So there's a lot of, of scenarios there, but I think the one that the, everyone's going to concentrate on is how the quarterback battle's taking place. And, and I'll leave that to coach Roderick and he can deal with all that. In your tour of Utah, we feel confident that Provo will be the top destination for you, Coach. Just just yeah. putting that out there. Yeah, no, tremendous kids. Um, like I say, very fulfilling. I, I was just coming down and helping out, uh, you know, last season, and I felt driving home every day that 
you know, I was stealing. I want to get paid anything, but I felt <laughs> stealing. I, I just felt so fulfilled um, working with these guys. And so, you know, I can't, I can't say enough about that. Coach, it's great to get to know more about you. We look forward to discussing BYU football with uh, your brilliant football mind. Thanks for the time. Anytime. Thanks, guys. Kevin Kloon on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Consider me impressed. I know. Uh, he knows what's up. Uh, that, was, that was fun. Uh, we're going we're gonna to have fun with him over the next couple of years. Okay, coming up, who should BYU hoop schedule with nobody slated the rest of the week? And where does BYU fall in the SP Plus projections? Way too early rankings, but we are here for it. This is BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Visible Supply Chain Management. Taylin Ballard-Nixon is crushing it right now, leading 12th-ranked BYU women's volleyball and kills and aces. Watch her and the rest of the Cougs host Gonzaga tonight, 8 Eastern, on the BYU TV app. Tomorrow night, same time, same place as well. He is Jeremiah Spencer, and this is BYU Sports Nation. Let's whip it! The Cougar Whip Ramp, presented by Visible Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. Joey's 52nd in the new SP+. Is that a good starting point for 2021? I think it's totally fair. Of note, BYU has the 24th best offense in terms of projections from Bill Connolly coming back, but the 90th rated defense, so somewhere in the middle, 52. I, I feel like that's okay. And frankly, with BYU losing so much talent, 52 seems pretty favorable to me. I'm okay with that. Yeah, it's a testament to what BYU lost. Also, the uphill climb that is the schedule with seven power fives and Boise State. It's just not going to be like it was last year because of people and schedule. An anonymous West Coast Conference basketball coach weighed in on the Cougars in an article from The Athletic. Here's what he said, quote, Speaking of BYU, they're massive. They're good defensively, but they're limited. I don't think they have one guy that can go beat you offensively. Alex Barcelo was their guy, but he hasn't done as well in the league. You have to run him off the three-point line. He and Brandon Averett are playing off the two bigs, Matt Harms and Richard Harward. The rest of the guys are just guys. Barcelo is a pretty simple cover. No threes, no right. He'll guard you tough now. They do a good job of putting Harms in on balls and rolls. Harward is more of a load. He shoots about 60% and he's 260. If you don't have someone big and strong down there, you have to bring a double. They're not super athletic, so you can get penetration on them. Jerem, fact or fiction here on this anonymous report? Yeah, let's walk through it together. Uh, They're massive. Yes, you're always massive. Most of this is totally fair, I think. They're good defensively, but they're limited. Yeah. Who's not limited? Is someone unlimited? Um, I don't think they have one guy that can be offensively. Mm. I disagree with this. I think Brandon Averd off the dribble is a tough guard. I think uh, AB in the pick and roll with Matt Harms is a tough guard. Those are other matchups I like. Who's the bucket getter in the crunch, like in the clutch time? Like, who's the guy? Is it Alex? Is it Brandon? It's got to be Alex, right? Brandon's making shots. Alex isn't even taking those shots, really. At least he hasn't done so very often. Yeah. Well, yeah, Alex is fine. He, the few that he's Brandon's taken being found. have not gone in. Brandon right. has made And some. we remember the ones Brandon's made. We haven't re- remembered the ones everyone else missed against, like, Boise State or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? You have to um, understand this coach is speaking with experience knowing that BYU had three of those guys last year. TJ Haas, Jake yeah. Toulson, Yoli Childs. All three of them could get a bucket. Alex Barcel is their guy, but he hasn't done as well in the league. You have to run him off three-point line. That's true. 24% three-point shooter in the league. That's not good, right? I'd, st- I'd still run him off three-point line, though. 
Um, he, he and Brandon Averitt are playing off the two bigs. I, yeah, I agree. They do a nice, cohesive job. Okay, the rest of the guys are just guys. That's mean, but statistically true. Like, statistically, there's a lot of just guys there. But that's part of BYU's thing is we're going we're gonna to go 10 deep. And instead of one dude averaging 14, we're going to have two dudes at seven each. See, I think about Gideon George specifically there and think, is he just another guy? I don't think he's just another guy. We've seen enough Over the whole him, season? Yeah. But his averages over the course of the season, right. to your point, right. make him another guy. Like one game at St. John's against St. John's and one against Portland. He was spectacular. But those are two games. BYU's played, what, 20? Um, yeah. Statistic, mean, but statistically factual, right? But BYU's trying to be deep. Okay, um, Barcelo's pretty simple cover, no threes, no right, and he'll guard you tough now. Uh, probably true-ish. I think there's more to Alex's game than that, but there hasn't been as big of an adjustment to Alex's offensive game as I think BYU needs to have. I think the last several weeks. Until last night. Tweak it. Um, right? He did yeah. some things no, he had last a good night. Game. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That were um, different. He, he spent more time his floater the was free working. That was the difference. His floater was working. He wasn't going layup or or three-pointer. Okay, they do a good job putting Harms uh, in on uh, pick and rolls. Yes. Uh, more Matt Harms in the pick and roll, by the way. Harward is a more of a load. It's just about 60%. He's 260. If you don't have someone big and strong on there, you have to bring it up. Yeah. Depends on the matchup, though. Last night was not good for Richard Harward. Drew Timmy ate him up. Uh, two points, one for two. So it, it, it depends on the night, but Richard Harward at times has been dominant. And that's the thing with this team. It, it's good to have depth and different guys show up each night, but Sometimes you're like, hey, who's it going to be tonight? And then no one necessarily does it. That that's, can be a challenge. Let's focus on the last sentence for a moment. They're not super athletic, so you can get penetration on them. BYU is susceptible to struggle against teams that have a propensity for that dribble drive attack into the paint. Yeah. USC, Boise State, Gonzaga, Pepperdine, all similar that way. All teams BYU struggled with and lost to. I appreciate this post because I think it's real talk from someone who, for the most part, I don't feel like has this obvious beef with BYU. It's just a scouting report. And so I, I like to see this from other coaches. Yeah, exactly. Okay, coming up, top five BYU players who won Super Bowl. And which team should BYU hoops schedule in their unfortunate nine-day break from games? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. On the latest BYU Sports Nation right now, it's a three-for-three three special triple header Saturday. Kiki, Kiki has covered. Watch it on the BYU Sports Nation social media channel. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We're doing it live in Studio B. Let's get to our prop pick results from last night's Gonzaga-BYU game. And we begin with which BYU Cougar Leads the team in scoring in the second half. I said Brandon Averitt. And somehow... I said Gideon George. And I thought Gideon would have more of an impact in the second half with you. I thought that was a solid pick. I thought BYU generally would have a bigger impact in the second half. Yeah. Brandon Averitt with nine leads the way. And he got, like, what, seven of those late, I feel like. When BYU was making the backdoor push to cover. Yeah, and then just pushed. How many minutes will Gideon George play? Uh, you said 22, I said 26. He only played 20. So, you so it's no longer closest to going over. It's just closer to the mark. It's just closest because I don't get it. <laughs> you get it now. No, I don't get it now. I know what I know, and I don't know that. <laughs> okay. Number three. What will be the largest lead for BYU? You went with six, Jerem. Yeah. I said five. BYU didn't lead. 
Well, how do you how do you get the point? I don't understand that. Because it was closer to the number. But neither of us. But we already didn't have a lead. The number was zero. Five is technically oh. closer to zero than six is. Oh, I'll pick set. Yes, thank you for that explanation. I will. Uh, I will pick one dollar next time then. <laughs> that Price is Right rules, right? Yeah. That that that's on the table now. Yeah, I lost regardless. All right, so I take the Gonzaga prop picks three nothing, but it's not officially over for the week. Yeah, like probably, the rest of probably. BYU Sports Nation, we wait to see if there will be a second game this week. If not, Jeremy will spin the wheel of consequence on Friday. BYU continues, to their credit, to put out feelers in all directions and very publicly about finding a game that makes sense for the team instead of enduring another lengthy layoff in games. So here's Mark Pope on that very topic last night. You know, this is super unprecedented and, and down now in the stretch run of this season. It's actually, um, you know, finding games and finding the right games and finding the games at the right time for your team is super important right now. And so um, we'll jump on that. And I'm not sure where we're going to end up. Hopefully we find uh, a game that fits us really, really well. Getting good contacts, good power five, top 20 teams. You got any dirt on anybody out there that can force them to jump in this thing? We'll we'll travel. All right, Mark Pope on record saying we will travel for a game that makes sense. Jerem, what is best for BYU in scheduling going forward over the next nine days? Should they look to reschedule a WCC opponent or maybe go elsewhere? Uh, anybody, <laughs> almost right. Uh, no, there, it needs to be a good game. Obviously, he's saying like we want a game that will help our resume. Right now, if BYU didn't play the rest of the year, that'd be just fine. 15 and 5. There's not a lot of teams that have played 20 games like BYU, let alone 115. So BYU's in a good spot. But unfortunately, uh, you look at the schedule St. Mar- Mary's uh, postponed Thursday, San Diego Saturday postponed. BYU's not going to reschedule with a team that's already canceled with them that's a quad four. San Francisco's another option that is on the table. They're supposed to have a return trip to Provo. Sometime. Yeah. What. Th- When's that? Uh, you know, I so I I don't know. Is there like a are there teams that have availabilities in non-con that would want BYU to go to their place? Because BYU doesn't want to host a team that's not in the top thirty. You you want a quad one here? That'd be great. But when is this going to happen? It's Tuesday. Like if you're going to happen, it's, if it's going to happen Saturday, you would need to know by probably Wednesday. So it's today or tomorrow whether BYU is going to play this week. I would yeah. think. So because it is such short notice, it's most likely going to have to be regionally. So if it's not a, a game rescheduled in the West Coast Conference. Pac-12 is not going to play. Out and they're the not going to come out of California yeah. primarily. Mountain West seems like the most obvious choice for BYU. Is there a the Mountain West team? already played the top three Mountain West teams. They haven't played Colorado State, though. And they're the fourth place team. And so a game in Fort Collins, maybe, if BYU is willing to travel. I know that Colorado State's been dealing Are with some good? postponements of their own. Yes, they're a top 50 net team. That let's would be go. a let's quad one road opportunity for BYU. All right, let's do it. So there hey, is that. We, we figured it out. Okay. BYU's Colorado playing. State. BYU's playing at Colorado State this week. We don't know what day. Oh, wait, that's just what we want. Maybe a Big 12 team? Is there somebody in Texas? Yeah, yeah Baylor's on pause. They, they postponed three straight games. So are Baylor's opponents looking for a quality game against BYU? Texas Tech is out there. Baylor, I don't necessarily want because that'd be guns. No, meaning Baylor's not. Can. They're not playing. Oh, they're shut so down. Their opponents. So their opponents yeah. are looking for quality games. Yeah, cool. Let's do it. Big Twelve, Mountain West. It kind of feels like it would have to be that if it's not a rescheduled game in the West Coast Conference. Yeah, which would be fun, but. <laughs> how far are you willing to travel? Mark? A lot of Hope. fun ideas. Uh, reality is another. 
<laughs> Another thing. Okay, coming up. Today's Rise and Shout Out. And Top 5 Tuesday features a Super Bowl twist because there have been some super cougars in the Super Bowl. I wonder if Dennis Pitt is going to make the list, Jerem. Oh, boy. This is BYU Sports Nation. Probably. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. BYU Sports Nation's Rise and Shoutout is presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. BYU Sports Nation, always available on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. You can always download the podcast, Google BYU Sports Nation podcast, subscribe, review, and then uh, give us that five-star rating. Bring on Top 5 Tuesday, presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. Today we look at the greatest BYU football players that have gone on to win a Super Bowl. Number five. Hello, Jerem. Hello. Fourth round pick to the Ravens, 2010. Played in Super Bowl 47, where the Ravens beat the Niners, 34-31. It was so boring, they shut off the line. Could have had four catches, 26 yards. I'm told he had a touchdown as well. BYU career, he was pretty good, I heard. Uh, 2009 consensus All-American, three-time first-team All-Mountain West Conference, back when BYU used to play football in a conference. 221 receptions, 2,901 receiving yards, 21 touchdowns. He still has the most receiving yards for a tight end in college football history. I heard that's good. Now, and then I heard it was Dennis, and I was like, well, maybe not. Solid. Yeah, d- uh, Dennis uh, Pita, I believe, is the native pronunciation. Pita. At number four, Rob Freight Train Morris, and I sanitize it so I could do it. Oh, nice. The Freight Train, first-round pick, 28th overall to the Indianapolis Colts. Get a gate so we don't have to hear the train. Played in Super Bowl 41 with the Colts. And a win over the Bears, 29-17. He had four tackles in that game. BYU career, 1998 WAC Defensive Player of the Year, two-time All-American, and a semifinalist for the Butkus Award. And he can, he can do the moonwalk, too. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the budget was too uh, too small. We couldn't buy the rights to the uh, Super Bowl highlights. It's okay. Number three, Kyle Van Noy. Second-round pick, 40th overall to the Lions. Thank goodness he got traded from the Lions. Steve Young was uh, on the set the day he got traded, and we said, hey, Steve Kyle Van Noy just got traded to the Patriots. He said, he's going to the Super Bowl. And he did. Three straight, in fact. Mm-hmm. 2017 to 2019. Won two of them. Uh, he went to Super Bowl 51, uh, you know, and then ended up in 53. Uh isn't he number 53 in the league? Yes. And and $51 million deal, I think. So, yeah, that all ties in. Pretty cool. Uh, at BYU, he's really, really good. Of course, that San Diego State game in 2012, Poinsettia Bowl, was amazing. Kyle Vanoy still killing it. South Beach. At number two, Jim McMahon. <laughs> nice. Jim McMahon, fifth overall pick to the Chicago Bears in 1982. Tied to Ziggy Anza as the highest draft pick ever Ziggy at with BYU. Jim McMahon. Ziggy? That's awesome. It's probably going to change this year with Zach Wilson. Yeah. McMahon won the Super Bowl in 1985 as a starting quarterback for a dominating Bears team. 46-10 to 10 over the New England Patriots. I don't think Tom Brady was a starting quarterback in that game, was he? No, no, no. He, he actually did. Fun fact. <laughs> he, of course, rocked the Roselle headband like no other. 256 yards passing and in that Super things. Bowl. No touchdowns, but he ran for two touchdowns, which at the time was a record. That never yeah, happened in the Super Bowl. Get the ball to Walter Payton. Yeah, yeah, and not the fridge. Yeah, and the uh, fridge. Come on. Hey, you only... He went to the Pro Bowl in 85. He won another Super Bowl as a backup in Green Bay. But, uh, I mean, the guy that finished the top three in the Heisman Trophy voting, McMahon was incredible. Twice. Twice. Yeah. Uh, Steve Young is number one. Three-time Super Bowl champ. 
Backed up uh, Joe Montana, two of those. Of course, in 95, uh, one of his own. And in Super Bowl 29, six touchdowns, and that's smashing the Chargers. Two-time NFL MVP, seven-time Pro Bowler, three-time first-team All-Pro. Uh, Pro Football Hall of Famer, of course, won the Davey O'Brien Award. Heisman runner-up here, two-time first-team All-Wack. Unanimous All-American 83. He was uh, really stinking good, man. His Super Bowl, the highest-scoring Super Bowl combined points in the history of the game. How about that? Yeah, that, that was a fun one. I remember. I watched that in uh, the Coob, Vancouver. 75 man. points. All right, congratulations to all of our super winners on Top 5 Tuesday's Super Bowl edition. Our question of the day, back to BYU basketball. What are your thoughts on Gonzaga head coach Mark Few's idea of a limited team West Coast Conference tournament in Spokane? Four teams? In response, our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort from at Shea Lawrence on Twitter. I'm good with the smaller Gonzaga Invitational this year, but with a minimum number of conference games played, no Santa Clara with only having played five games. They've had a tough road, yeah. Also, this should be played in a venue that holds the most fans. So, Provo? Uh, MPSF, they're probably going to do that with the tournament holding Provo so they can have, you know, limited fans, but just fans? like, just last, right? Today's Rise shout-outs are brought to you by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. Mine goes to Joe Nelson, who's a receiver on the football team, mm. a fellow Mariner Seahawks fan. He tweeted that Spencer Johnson looks like one of the soldiers in the movie 1970. He really does. And I totally agree. He, he really does. He looks like one of the soldiers in that movie, 100%. Mine goes to BYU Women's Volleyball and doTERRA. For every ace this season, doTERRA is going to donate $100 to the Matt Bushman Foundation, which, if you're not familiar with, is new and helps underprivileged children get involved with sports when they can't afford things. So very cool effort by uh, Women's Volleyball, Matt Bushman, and doTERRA. Now, I just hope that doTERRA understands how good BYU Women's Volleyball is. I I just hope they went in going, oh, they're number 12. And they get a lot of aces. It's going to get expensive. And they're legit. A lot of kids are going to be helped. <laughs> it's going to be a good thing. Our thanks to today's guest, the new guy, linebackers coach for BYU football, Kevin Kloon. Uh, congratulations, Dennis Pitta. We had time for you in some form, I guess. Mm-hmm. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Use the hashtag BYUSN. For Jeremy, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Brian Correa. We'll see you tonight for BYU basketball with Mark Pope and BYU women's volleyball, both streaming on the BYU TV app. Go Cougs.